Hello and welcome to Virtual Roundtables Live, the broadcast that brings business leaders together to discuss and debate the latest industry topics and trends. Now over to today's host. Hello and thank you for joining today's session uh, where we're going to be looking at how organizations can improve the way in which they engage their first line when it comes to managing cyber information, cyber and information security risks. So my name is Charlie Allen. I am an information consulting manager with OneTrust GRC. Um, and today's session will be focusing on first of all a bit of a background as to what are the threats when it comes to how organizations are currently managing and engaging the first line or lines of business. We'll then look at some of the impacts of a decentralized technology and security, and then focus on some proactive uh, engagement methods in which you can start to implement today. So as a bit of background then, we've seen over the past a year or so really organizations having to very quickly adapt the way in which they engage their lines of business when it comes to managing, mitigating, uh, and identifying risks. Crucially though, engagement and communication is a key part of that. Before doing so, EY in their 2020 Global Information Security Survey established that 65% of businesses only consider cybersecurity after it's already too late. Now that may be seen as a little bit unfair because it's you know, only when certain incidents happen can the vulnerabilities uh, be identified. However, it's also pretty alarming that actually it could also highlight that a lot of organizations simply don't have the adequate processes or lines of defense kind of processes in place prior to implementing or onboarding various applications and solutions. ASACA, in their report last year around the state of cybersecurity, highlighted that whilst attacks in the first stages of 2020 were actually down on the, the prior year. They also found that actually individuals were less likely to provide information or even answer questions around uh, whether stacks were likely to happen. What they also highlighted though in, in the same uh, assessment that they carried out was that when it came to understanding or asking organizations whether they understood how they could potentially be exploited, 20% said they didn't know. And that is potentially quite an alarming factor when you could take into account that, uh, you know, these are not new, or these threat actors as such are not new to the industry and their you know, previous incidents have been applicable to most of them in some way or another. So then, the traditional decentralized technology and security, I suppose, approach, what are the impacts of that? First and foremost, 36% of organizations say that cybersecurity is involved from the planning stages of a new business initiative. And that figure is extremely low um, when you consider that also 59% of organizations say that the relationship between cybersecurity and the lines of business is at best neutral. This means then that in most cases, the cybersecurity or information security teams aren't actually involved in a, a vetting, let's say, of a, of a new solution or, you know, there's potentially no process in place at all. So as established, 36% are actually involved from the planning stages, 27% you know, are involved in the design stages, 9% come into play around the building. 
But actually, alarmingly, on this slide, what we can see is that 7% of cybersecurity teams are never involved. And this brings about a number of different challenges and implications, primarily shadow IT. We'll come on to that a little bit later on, but first and foremost, then what we tend to look at or want to kind of bring about is, first of all, identifying who actually owns the initiative, the implications of shadow IT and communicating these around the business. And also we'll look at some of the hidden concerns behind the, the implications of shadow IT. So first and foremost, then most organizations have uh, a traditional system when it comes to onboarding solutions. More often than not, they would evaluate the solution, carry out the installation, troubleshooting, and then obviously you know, carry out some training as well. However, as we push towards a more of a cloud orientated environment, more organizations need to adapt that structure and have an infrastructure that's ready for cloud or SaaS solutions, but also this intuitive. Um, and within it has embedded support under more, uh, which could in, include on-demand support and also a much more tech-savvy workforce that are in, or inherently aware of some of the implications that exist to not only them in their role, but the wider organization. So shadow IT implications uh, you know, have been known for a long time now. However, as we kind of highlighted at the beginning, as a result of this very instantaneous push towards the onboarding of various applications, uh, which are sometimes needed for very simple methods such as communication, collaboration, you know, pr productivity um, activities, some of which are being onboarded extremely quickly, but also without cybersecurity or information security teams being aware. So this app sprawl, as we call it, has led to the fact that most cybersecurity teams or lots of cybersecurity teams really aren't aware of the full tech stack that they're sharing data across, how many third parties they're potentially leveraging across the business, um, and crucially, what those solutions are actually being used for. And this can bring about a number of other hidden concerns that sit beneath the surface. So for example, as a, as a CISO or a DRI of the prevention or reduction of shadow IT, one can look incompetent or lacking of control of a particular situation. And obviously that can have operational impacts, but also then that can have an impact on the individuals themselves, such as a detrimental effect on their mental health, their well-being, or even the culture of the team uh, and their standing within the organization. Another hidden factor is the allocation of resources. If a team or an individual spends a lot of time fixing unplanned issues arising from shadow IT, such as dealing with uh, incidents or uh, implications, then other more productive or strategic operations or projects that they're working on tend to be put to the side, which again can have much more um, harmful impacts in the future. And then finally, obviously, auditing and maintaining compliance can also be affected. So when it comes to unexpected non-compliance, you know, there could be findings that you, uh, for example, may be in breach of privacy regulations as a result of working with a particular, leveraging a particular supplier application or system for, for a certain use. The implications of this can be extremely exponential when it comes to the fines potentially at play. So there's a number of underlying concerns that may sit beneath the surface that have a huge impact relatable to, to shadow IT. And what we're seeing is that security professionals and CISOs uh, are starting to, trans, uh, to transfer their skills uh, from being 
predominantly at say introverted technology focused individuals to becoming much more extroverted outgoing business partners and one of the crucial skills that they must adopt is being able to not only communicate with the business but also then communicate with the the board level as well and we'll come on to more of that later on and some of the techniques that can be used but again this is a challenge but also uh, a, you know, a transformation that a lot of organizations are having to see with CISOs in particular so what are some of the proactive ways in which organizations can start to engage the lines of the business well here's well next part of this session we'll just cover off three very simple methods obviously there are a lot more but these three ones we've highlighted as being particularly useful and, and quick to implement. So first and foremost, there's modeling success stories. So what's worked well for the business so far? Secondly, connecting to existing technology. And then thirdly, identifying, uh, aligning, and then defining roles as to individuals who should be managing risk. So first and foremost, then we'll take a look at the modeling success stories. And to do that, the first thing to do is to really start to set a, a baseline. So identify a repeatable process that can be used over and over again, that's easy to communicate and easy for the first line business users to also learn and then adopt. Secondly, in addition to that is then determining the scope. And in order to do that, you need to set or select some operational boundaries. Again, that is easy to communicate to the first line of business, but allows them to understand you know, what they can and cannot do. And then set some realistic expectations with measurable outcomes to then learn from in the future and then adapt as and when you find new ways of working. Secondly, then, when we look at connecting to existing technology, what we're really looking at here then is communication kind of forming a main part of it. So risk and security professionals tend to sit in the middle and they're generally the, the business and the team or departments within the business that triage and then evaluate the risks. However, that information well, the information needed to do that must be collected from the line of business. So again, having a structure in place that allows for this information to be easily identified and then passed on through the business, through the various channels, means for much more valuable and insightful information uh, to be used by the security team. Equally, information uh, and instructions must also be passed back to the lines of business to ensure that those risks are mitigated and managed in an appropriate manner. But equally, on the other side of this, the, the security teams then must inform the board of such issues, of, uh, of findings and kind of the processes that are in play, but then also be expected to receive the expectations from the board themselves as to risk appetite or KPIs and KRIs associated with them. But crucially, underpinning all of this, it must be well, context is a key aspect area of this. So they must leverage the same context for when communicating with the line of business, but also the board as well. And context meaning kind of the, the underlying risk, but also the implications of such actions. And then finally, we look at aligning and defining roles. So really determining who's responsible for risk. And this is where we want to see, or we tend to see organizations really go beyond the traditional impact versus likelihood to really then, I suppose, really make individuals, teams uh, and business owners more accountable. 
So this could mean, you know, working more closely with budget owners who have the decision-making power to not only make the business decisions, but really take into account the, the security implications as well. Ensuring that any individuals who are responsible for, for owning risk understand the processes that, that are applicable to them when it comes to mitigating, but also the implications of those risks on the business. And then providing the line of business with the ability and the position to execute with informed information, but also then the ability to know that they can uh, mitigate risk you know, efficiently. And crucially, what that means is assigning risk to a particular role rather than a, an individual within the organization. And that means that those roles and the teams they sit within have a lot more accountability. Again, when it comes to actually defining risk, again, going beyond and above that impact versus likelihood model to align risks with objectives so that they can be understood holistically by the organization and by various business functions. Also then quantifying the business impact in terms of you know, qualitative and quantitative measures too. And then agreeing on a much more common language. So providing context beyond the score of risk, but also then communicating what the implications could well be uh, and the importance of that risk on not only the business, but again, the teams, the departments themselves and how they operate. So one of the crucial ways to do that then is raising awareness of security within the organization. And there's a few methods in which you know, can be, can, this can be applied. First and foremost, and again, one of the most important is communication, educating the business with respect to the context of, of risk. And this can be done leveraging various tools, policies, you know, policy tools as well to make that a much more easy and simple process, but also individuals and teams within the business who are experts at communicating not only policies, but also um, why in the context of why things should be done, such as HR, for example. In addition to that, penalties could be also an area that can be leveraged. A bit of a controversial one in some aspects, but in a lot of cases, when you're looking at regulatory or compliance related penalties, organizations themselves cannot escape them. So individuals, teams within the business um, can be made more accountable if they're given corporate penalties for not uh, complying with the internal policies. Equally, demonstrating you know, first-hand accounts, first-hand accounts of impacts can also provide a much more contextual effort as to implications of uh, inaction, for example. And this then allows individuals or the, you know, the various teams to not only understand more alongside the communication as to what they should be doing, but the implications of uh, maybe onboarding solutions without going through a particular process and the implications on the business. And then again, crucially ownership. What we're seeing as well now is that a lot more teams have to be involved. As we highlighted earlier on, various new applications are being onboarded by a lot of organizations uh, for very simple you know, uh, measures that may not be considered to be that risky. However, teams working together allow this process to be a lot more smooth. For example, when onboarding a particular application or service from a supplier, um, not only you know, traditionally could well be just that procurement were informed, would carry out a particular process, but now it could involve procurement, security, privacy, legal, the business themselves, all working hand in hand together to identify, manage and mitigate any particular risks associated with you know, onboarding a, a very simple solution. And then crucially auditing this and making sure that everything is in place, up to date and working is crucial as well. And uh, these audits can be you know, regular, but also then 
engaging with the first line and the lines of business to ensure that they are aware of what's expected of them uh, and their standing within the business when it comes to managing and, and mitigating risks. So we've covered off just three areas there, as we mentioned very quickly, uh, but these can be implemented very easily and then built upon over time to ensure a much more robust process. So very quickly then, before we do finish, I did want to highlight obviously some areas in which uh, OneTrust has been doing this already with a number of our customers um, and how customers themselves have been coming to us with similar challenges to, to manage the way in which they operate and engage with the first line. So first and foremost, we'll very quickly go through just how the GRC solution operates. And first is key areas, analyzing risk. So really understanding the potential business impacts and their contributing factors. So identifying tracking risk internally across assets, programs, externally across vendors, third party engagements, and also more intangible operation in operating initiatives uh, and the overall enterprise goals as a risk posture. Secondly, then scaling compliance is another area when it comes to understanding potentially what are the legal obligations you may have as an organization um, that you need to actually um, meet in, to, in order to actually operate. So crucial questions to ask, you know, how can I operate and scale these programs and practices? How can I track the gaps, the performance over time and even apply updates um, and expansions to evaluate, evaluate, to evaluate where it may be applicable? How can I categorize and tailor processes around personal data to build a globally compliant privacy program? And then how can I understand the context and application of this regulation outside and inside the organization itself? Reinforcing governance means, you know, kind of drafting, communicating, testing programs that you have in place. So building policies to dictate the, the parameter of risk and the compliance program and outline these processes and practices and set clear expectations. Um, and this could involve incorporating you know, awareness training to engage and educate stakeholders around the business dynamically. And then also auditing these programs to make sure that they're you're testing the design and identifying those areas for improvement over and over again. And then finally, extending and enhancing visibility. So one could leverage a cyber risk exchange to very easily calculate the inherent risk from particular uh, suppliers within a marketplace. Digital asset discovery and data discovery allows you to realize the extent of your operations and, and data exchanges yourselves. And then a robust incident management program that's potentially integrated across various systems allows you to integrate not only work streams to understand the broader risk perspective, but also historical information as well to then learn from going forward to. And this all is brought about with respect to business continuity and ongoing ethics and compliance to really help you from an ongoing perspective assess the business impacts across your critical infrastructure and then develop develop plans to sustain operations or react in the event of a crisis having everything in place makes these core business continuity and, and compliance structure a lot more robust and dynamic so Hope you've learned a little bit from this session. Um, very short and sweet, but if you'd like to learn more, please do visit onetrustgrc.com where we've got a number of resources, videos, white papers, and customer um, case studies as well. Equally, please feel free to contact me or a member of the team as well um, for a more personalized demo. Um, we can more than happy to have a conversation about your current challenges and then set up a, an overview of the solution, uh, which could be applicable to your needs. Equally, 
you can learn more at the OneTrust website. You can download resources. Again, request a demo or even a free trial. And you can also find us on LinkedIn by following OneTrust GRC for frequent updates. And please also feel free to reach out to me directly. Uh, my name is Charles Allen, as I say, and uh, hopefully we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Virtual Roundtables Live. Make sure to visit our website www.virtualroundtables.com to learn more about upcoming webinars and events.